our text for meditation this last Sunday of the church year, Christ the King Sunday, is on our gospel reading. Hear the word of our Lord from Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. But when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the Gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us understand the parable before we preach it. The bridegroom is Christ. The virgins are his servants, you and me. The virgins are servants, not only because they are not identified with the bride herself, Christ has only one bride, the church, but also because they are clearly supposed to wait for the bridegroom's arrival. The servants are virgins because as virgins they are not wedded to anyone else. They are not betrothed to someone nor attached to them, meaning that they are under the bridegroom's authority. These servants are told to be ready for the return of the Lord, for the wedding feast. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb, the blessed estate of all saints after Judgment Day. So we understand that our Lord Jesus is speaking about the servants within the church. That is, every Christian. You and I are not attached to some other deity or religion or movement. We are not idolaters. While we are part of the Bride of Christ, the individual Christian is not by himself or herself the Bride alone. And as Christians, we must both wait for our Lord's return and serve. As the parable shall explain, though, not all who are in the church are faithful to our Savior, and thus they do not truly belong to him. Now the lamp is a light, of course. The means by which the servants may see the bridegroom, and the bridegroom may see and identify those that belong to him. The light is the transformed life of the Christian through sanctifying good works. From Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now the oil is not the works themselves, but that which produces works, meaning it is faith or being converted. In the eyes of God, if one does not have faith, then they do not have works either. The wise virgins have their lamps lit with something that produces light, that is, oil. In the same way, the wise man, calling himself Christian, will not do good works for no reason. But instead, he will do good works because he trusts in our Lord Jesus and is grateful for the promise of salvation. The foolish virgins merely burn the wick. They do good works, but with nothing fueling them. Their light is a pitiable flash in the pan, something that looks nice, but only for a moment. In this same way, there are people in the church who do not necessarily have faith in our Lord. Now, certainly, since faith is a gift from God, we cannot say that the wise servants brought themselves to faith, but they brought it with them. That is to say, they held it close. Knowing that God gives you faith and preserves it is no excuse to skip church or refuse to read scripture or to pray to our Lord in faith. The wise believer is found to be devout in their attendance, devotions, prayers, and reading insofar as they are able. Now the bridegroom is delayed in his arrival until midnight. This delay is what we might call the tarrying of Christ. We shall discuss this below when actually preaching the text. The sleep, though, is the great waiting which all in the church are called to go through. It is not to say that the Christian is to lie dormant until the hour of his death, but instead that the difference between our life here on earth and our life at the resurrection is as stark as the difference between being asleep and being awake. Now, Augustine and a few others have stated that this sleep is death and that the awakening is the resurrection. Well, that's true for those believers who have passed away, but there will be believers who are still alive when Christ returns so it's better to see it in this more expansive fashion. Now midnight, the hour when all the shops are closed, is the time in which our Lord arrives. Upon his return, no one may successfully get new oil for their lamps. When Christ says it was midnight when the call went out to meet the bridegroom, he says that at that moment, Time was up. Now there are two refusals. The wise virgins tell the foolish ones to go out and get their own oil. They refuse to share their own. The bridegroom also refuses to admit the foolish virgins into the wedding feast. The wise virgins tell the foolish ones that they cannot give any of their oil away. Remember, the oil is faith. You cannot give your faith to someone else. 
you may show the light that you have, and perhaps this will inspire them to seek out their own oil, but you and I are nothing when it comes to making a sinner into a saint. Salvation is the work of God. The bridegroom refuses the foolish virgins. And this means that is a picture of being cast out into outer darkness. What makes a sinner damned? Well, if they do not have faith. Our Savior teaches in John 3 verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The reason these virgin servants do not enter into the wedding feast is because they did not have oil, or faith, in the first place. Now if we are to preach this text, all of these things must be taken into account. The foolish virgins are not kept out of the wedding feast because they did not have burning lamps, but because they were not there when the bridegroom arrived. They had no oil, so they had no light. And only at the last minute did they realize that these were so important that they must flee to closed shops in a desperate attempt to become acceptable. Ironically, it is their departure which dooms them, so it is in the church today. There are five wise virgins and five foolish ones because at least half of the visible church is corrupt to its core. Nothing but empty non-believers wearing Christianity as a costume. They may be a part of the church, but they are not Christians. Even if they are baptized, they do not receive this wonderful sacrament in faith. Some of them weakly presume that they will go to heaven because they do good works. Yet good works are not good if they are not produced by saving faith. Others simply go to church and go through the motions, thinking that simply being there among other and better believers will save them. When the last trumpet sounds and Christ's return is announced and the call goes out that the king himself is arriving, these people will scramble to find faith in Jesus, but being around real believers will not save them. On the final day, the message will ring loud and clear, time's up, and any excuse we may have will melt away. There will be no second chances, there is no other oil, and these fake nominal Christians who had their entire lives to prepare themselves will be swallowed up in damnation forever. How cruel a fate is it to go one's entire life thinking they were saved only to find out that they were damned. How torturous it must be for the false believer to burn and howl and impotently scream from the bottom of the lake of fire, but I was a part of the church. They may say this, yet Christ's response to them is as he says in the Sermon on the Mount. 
When they cry, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? He replies, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. Their works, if they had any to begin with, are extinguished in the eyes of God when the judgment arrives. They count for nothing, a mere burnt wick with no oil. There are entire denominational bodies full of and watched over by and presided over by the foolish servants. Case in point. If a pastor tells you to not say the phrase, Christ is king, if a church body cares nothing for doing good works and their preaching of the gospel amounts to Jesus died so perverts don't feel bad about their sin anymore, and if a theologian wastes thousands of people's devotional time telling them that the gospel was nothing more than an existentialist scheme to get rid of anxiety, these bodies are fake Christian bodies. Nearly full of foolish virgins. They comprise the tares in the wheat field, empty people with hearts devoid of any passion for God until their hearts are full of panic on the last day. Beloved, if you do not trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, then you are one of these people. Oh, you might do nice things for others, you might nod along at the pastor's message, blissfully thinking about something else while he preaches. You mouth the Apostles' Creed. Not meaning it, not praying it, but oh, you're saying the words. Perhaps you feel like you're heaven-bound because your family has always been Christian and they've always gone to church and you think you're a good enough person. None of these things gets you to heaven. Faith does. Keep your lamp lit, beloved. Lit with the oil bestowed upon you, the faith which was brought to you by word and sacrament. Now it should go without saying that we all want to be like the wise virgins. Certainly none of us want to be rejected at Judgment Day, cast out with the foolish ones. Indeed, we rejoice to hear that God is the one who provides the oil for the wise. He is our Savior, not us. Yet we hear Christ's words which say, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour, and we begin to worry. If my salvation does not depend on me, then why do I watch? How do I watch? Shall I read every newspaper and try to connect the lines to prophecies about the second coming? Do I wait in the mountains and stare at the sky all day, lest I miss Christ's return? What does our Lord actually teach here? What does he want from us? Beloved, I'm happy to point out that although the wiser servants also fell asleep, they were still accepted. 
it was not whether they stayed awake or slept that determined if the bridegroom considered them watchful. No, but it was their oil, the oil of faith. You and I do not need to fret or be anxious about our king coming back, so much as we must trust that he comes back to deliver us. Remember, the wedding feast of the Lamb is a good thing. To be watchful is to look forward in hope. Now, faith must be active. Oil does things, after all, especially in the burning in the lamp which gives light for all to see. Yet in our case, what it does and what we must be careful to do is live with an active faith. To study the scriptures, to attend the divine service, to pray to our Lord on every occasion, whether good or bad, these are what it means to be watchful. It means to receive with gladness the blessings of our baptisms and the body and blood of our Lord in communion, where we receive forgiveness and strength. With all these, we have ourselves an active, living faith which our God sees and says, Yes, this one may come to the wedding feast, for he held to the promise and wavered not. Now our Roman Catholic friends might opine that the lamp must be lit. They want to emphasize good works, and I'm sure we have Methodist friends that would say the same. We have already distinguished between trusting our Lord and the good works we do as a result of that trust. This is not to say that good works are not important, Heaven forbid, for they are indeed a necessary result of faith. I'll tell you right now that doing good works like helping the poor, serving our neighbors and our vocation, loving our enemies, and strengthening our faith and people, these are all healthy and wonderful things to do indeed. Good works strengthen saving faith. Fortify it and show to our hearts that God is truly transforming us in accordance with his promise to sanctify. But let it bring us joy and peace to know that these things are a result of what God has done in our lives. Let our burning lamps shine a light on the coming hope before us. Namely, the arrival of our Lord and King, Jesus of Nazareth who returns to bring us the inheritance of eternal life. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.